0: Welcome to a new podcast where we're breaking through and breaking it down with a new girl. Your host, Dawn Piercy. Welcome to a new podcast. My name is Dawn Piercy. I am your host and I have with me today His Royal Highness douglas buchanan bailey the grand duke of saint syracuse and the tetrarch of tigiano Uh, he is in charge of the grand ducal house of bailey and clan bailey international and the order of the green cross helping children and young adults with autism Uh, he is also a martial artist and a fencer douglas welcome to a new podcast it's great to have you on how are you doing
1: Pretty good, pretty
0: good. Good, good. Now, first off, tell us a little bit about yourself. Clan Bailey International and the Grand Ducal House of Bailey, um, the Order of Green Cross, and helping children and young adults with autism. That's a lot.
1: So, the Grand Ducal House of Bailey is not an ancient, ancient house. It was created in uh, 2013, and we were enthroned by the Archbishop of um, the Russian Orthodox Church in America. So he was the patriarch, or like basically the pope, for okay. the Americans. Uh, and he has the—he uh, was enthroned, so he has the, the right to do that. The house itself, really, goes back to um, the Norman Conquest. Yes. Uh, the Baileys came in from. Um, I'm sorry, I have a Scotty dog on my lap here. It's trying to get attention. <laughs> Came in um, to England from, um, from Normandy. So the the name itself is a Viking name Uh, there. You'll find many different people of the Bailey name with different uh, uh, socials. You'll find barons who are Bailey's, you'll find uh, knights who are Bailey's, you'll find Bailey's kind of everywhere. So there's not one Bailey that starts the name off. There's there's many, ours is one of the older ones. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have ties uh, through our family tree everywhere. But what happens with us is is, uh, it was through charity work and our family lineage and the combination thereof that uh, brought our family back onto the lines of attention by the um, patriarch of the uh, Russian Orthodox Church in the Americas. So that's kind of how that happened. The Order of the Green Cross is a, well, it's a dynastic, dynastic order of knighthood, and people say, "Well, it has to be very ancient to be dynastic." Well, the first generation is where it starts, and it's dynastic by nature, but it's inheritable. Right, as the grandmaster. The uh, second piece we have is the Knights of the True Cross, and they are a chivalric organization. Chivalric organizations are nonprofits nowadays. Even the Queen of England's. Shipping Corporation is a nonprofit. So, like Bill Gates, who donated, I think it was $10 million to her charity mm-hmm. for uh, removing landmines, he received a knighthood for that. So, people say, Whoa, wait a minute. you didn't buy that. He donated. So, they're all charities. So, it, it's, it's a form of social transaction. I, I tend to see that some of them get very elitist and um, that's a whole history of knighthoods that we can get into on another day, I can't right.
2: think
1: about <laughs> from the eleven hundreds all the way to today, and it's usually never linear and never clear. It's about as clear as mud sometimes, because there's a lot of things that happened in history that changed things and the way things are operated. So you have a oh, see, so you know, I'm going to get into it. <laughs> so it used to be that royals were not the ones involved heading up the orders and knighthoods. it was the church and then from the church it was lay fellows and other knights and right. only in the later periods did royals get into it it became like a, a social network and marketing is like oh well you belong to the order that has this monarch over here he's our favorite this week and then people would clam to do it it's like it's like celebrities nowadays this is the same thing and there was a famous baron a German baron that said when the uh, nobles and the royals entered the orders of chivalry and took them over, that was the end of chivalry. And What he's talking about, it became, it became more about, less about what you were doing and more about who you know. And so um, I had a very years-long conversation with the attitude about this, that an orthodox order of knighthood should be opened up to many different denominations because mm-hmm. building up walls between chivalric orders and people and, and, and religions is a negative. You're, you're, right. you're excluding and you're narrowing your scope of what you can do and who you can honor and uh, contribute with. So after a few years of discussing this, we were able to say, okay, it's an Orthodox order these orders are orthodox, uh, including the Order of St. Andrew, the first called in the Americas. And you don't have to be of any one denomination to belong to it. You just have to have good character, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and and be able to fit the requirements. And we have a whole page of a booklet on how you do that. Right. Um, so that's where we're at now. It's knighthoods no longer protect the roads to Jerusalem and, and you know slaughter the enemy that wears black armor and you wear white. It's, it's, they've had to morph into charitable nonprofit organizations it's, and that's where they are now.
0: Yeah, it seems like our, our family went from brute force to uh, all charity and military yeah. work. Yeah, yeah. They,
1: they, they came over. Right. Uh, yeah, William Bailey in 1550 avoided um was it 1550 or thereabouts uh in the 1500s avoided the war of the roses because uh, some of his other relatives decided one side or the other and three of them died in one generation while well, william was very smart and said well i'm you know i'm gonna be a Tudor," of the air
2: mm-hmm. i'm gonna
1: make royal clothes to the tudor courts, and we and, don't care and, who and see- my grandfather was who so he was the former king we don't care we're just gonna make some fine clothes and we'll be fine. <laughs> right, That's right. You
0: mentioned, you mentioned you um, mentioned you know the, the rose. Um, K- King Henry the Seventh is not only is you know the Bailey, my, my grandfather, but King Henry the Seventh is my grandfather too. So it was like, yeah. it's like it's kind of cool that you get to see all of these different ancestors tied in together. And then yeah,
1: the, our ancestors, because it's funny, you you your tree comes into the Bailey line. For the the grand of the house, I think three times now,
2: you
0: found um, it. I, I think four or five times. Yeah, that yeah. That's that's
1: curious. <laughs> so, uh, it's it's interesting. There's a lot of when you get back there and you go through this this history, you're gonna find a lot of political marriages, and yeah. you're gonna find a lot of alliances that way. My uh, grandmother, I mean my, my mom's mom, mm-hmm. right? so we're not saying oh my uncle, my grandfather, and you're saying twenty generations back. I'm talking about. Grandmother was a Buchanan. Her father was Reuben Buchanan, and you can follow his tree back to the beginning of the uh, Buchanan clan. Uh, his, you go back to the right period. His, Patrick Buchanan was mm-hmm. the son of the last, one of the last chiefs. And they now I have one of the other cousins is uh, now the new chief of Clan Buchanan. Okay,
0: and see so we, I have Buchanan too on mine. So. Yeah, they're
1: interesting. Yeah, marriages <laughs> all the way back. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah, that's that's in a not so nutshell. That's what we do with the Shivrick orders. Is one of them is the Knights of the True Cross covers hospitals, people in hospitals, um, giving aid to that uh, to people in need. There, mm-hmm. the the Green Cross is about autism and. Mm-hmm. We've done charity events and we've we've covered group autism therapy for yes, a
0: year. and and for and, our, our and audience the- too. Um, if you're wondering, um, I I actually am the Indiana State Regent for Clan Bailey under the Grand Ducal House of Bailey and have put together my first annual fundraiser for helping children and young adults with autism. It's completely five hundred one c three, so um, tax deductible. After the interview, head over to Clan Bailey Fundraisers here on a new podcast and check that out. Um, you know,
1: for the people, I hate to interrupt, for the people who are donating, let if you let me know who donated and their address, if they would like that, I will personally send them a handwritten note, or at least an official note from the Grand Ducal House. Okay. A uh, letter of thank you, because I, I really appreciate it. Uh, we're working on several projects, so it's it's... A lot. <laughs>
0: it is. It is. It. It's, I think it's being able to structure it and have a time for each of it, so that way, you know, it's running nice and smooth. Yeah. Tell us about your history with martial arts in Thailand. Oh
1: well, I wasn't in Thailand, so.
0: Okay. Well, the, your uh, your, was it your sensei's in Thailand? Japan. Japan. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Did you mention Thailand though before? No. No. It must have been somebody else I was talking to. That was, uh, My college I
1: roommates were, were uh, from Thailand and China. So
0: Okay. Okay. Well, fill us in on that.
1: Um, I think what's getting into the charities and helping people with disabilities is kind of a very full circle issue. Um, growing up, I'm dyslexic. And if you ever watch a good documentary on knowing what it's like for people who were going to school pre-Disabilities um, Act, then you're gonna find you. the documentary is um, Journey into Dyslexia,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Netflix or one of those pay stations. It's a brilliant documentary about how school disfinites, and we, we, we focus on correct spelling, um, transcribing uh, phenomes, which mm-hmm. are the lettering and the alphabeting, And we put a lot of um, emphasis in school on that. Now, when you look at the broader spectrum of what drove the industrial revolution, what drove everything else, it wasn't this. Um, writing and uh, the English language was only for spelling formalized at uh,
2: 1900
1: Mm -hmm. by a uh, prisoner. So you look into the dictionary, it's like, well, it's only been a hundred years that we've standardized the English language and its spelling and it's been, and it started to take the major focus and we started to more teach to test than we have done an organic, Holistic knowledge, like you mm-hmm. wish you would do with the Greek schools, so it it becomes an overriding. You have to be good at this very narrow field in schools for people, and if you're good at this very narrow field, you're going to be great in life. And there's a lot of things in life you can do and not be great at at uh, your grammar. Now I have spell check and the computers and uh, grammarly, and between the two of those, you can write some brilliant papers. Yes. But before the computer, you were pretty much isolated off and you were kind of excluded out of things. So going through and to get college degrees for me was a, uh, a struggle and a half, and I, I really don't like to see that for other people. And I've, I've kind of wandered. So in martial arts, you can keep this too, you do. Big roundabout circles. So I'll cover the entire octopus.
0: Okay. Um,
1: what happens in school is you get bullied, and you get bullied, and you get beat on. And I was, of course, a good, a good child. I went to all the churches. And my grandma's church that was Nazarene, where you couldn't show your elbows, and you had to. Uh, grandma wore gloves and yell her hallelujah. And the fire and brimstone preachers that were there that were teaching Dante's Inferno instead of. Um, Something out of the Bible, so right. they had a very interesting and unique focus of what that was. And then I was splitting that between um, the other church that we went to, which was more Catholic oriented, and you know they're they're more pacifist. And so I was always turned, you know, turn the other cheek,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: you're not supposed to act out. You're not supposed to be abusive to people. And I really took it to heart. And and I still and I still do. Um, in school, because I was dyslexic, dyslexic, the uh, teachers would allow, uh, not allow it. They would ridicule you a some from first grade. Up. And since you were ridiculed by the teachers, that's an okay and a green card for other kids to come up and um, and pick on you. And I don't mean pick on you like you say. Oh, Billy, ha 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 ha. Uh, second grade, I was choked out in front of the teacher by another student. I had other kids throwing my homework on a daily basis out the back of the school bus windows while four of them stood around you. And if you didn't let it happen, you got beat, physically punched and kicked in the back of the bus. Um, You move to the front, you get off the bus and then you would be just mobbed when you were on the way to school. Growing up in a rural community was a very, well-known family, and even though you at the time don't have the funds and the finances, because you know my family decided to spend everything and go traveling uh, generations before.
0: I was right. Even. Same here. Well, <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're, we're distant cousins here. So. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. So the, that, those those funds and finances um, and all the land that was pretty much gone in eighteen eighteen seventy. Right. It was gone. Um. I can get into some other stories, but like the Baileys, we uh, we had millions set aside that were coming towards us and we sent, uh, 1920, one of our family members sent, went back to England to go pick up the bank uh, mm-hmm. account that matured from the Bank of England and this is 1920s, so those nice two ladies that were Baileys decided to disappear into Europe with millions of dollars, so. I'll tell you that one. I actually have that written down from the Bailey meeting notes from Plan Bailey uh, around 1900s. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really interesting story, and one of the one of our relatives wrote a poem about it. Oh, where would I be with the Bailey millions today? So we had a lot of that stuff. But you, you know, you, you going back in. So we're not rich at that at that point. Still aren't. I, I'm a working guy. Um, like I said, in the in this house, look around. All antiques, like uh, one of my friends says, I have used furniture. It's much cheaper to have this than new. Than new. Um, you just kind of keep it up around here.
0: Antiques are the best.
1: Yeah, they, they last longer.
0: They do. So They do. They really do. There's nothing like a nice antique.
1: Yeah. Because these chairs behind me, they've lasted for 100, some of them 150 years. They're still going. You buy something new, it lasts you, you know, 10, 15 years ago. So you know, I, I really appreciate my family having an older son. Anyway, you, you going to school. You're abused. You get uh, beat on. Uh, you're che- I was teaching myself how to sight read. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you guys, if anyone's into education, I learned how to sight read uh, 126 words by the time I was in third grade. I had no clue what one letter meant to the next. Um, yeah, you go through the motions of sounding things up, but I don't know what that was. And so I just learned, um, kind of like learning Chinese or Japanese, kanji. I learned that these symbols meant this.
0: Right. And I taught
1: myself that. And I had a uh, third grade teacher that caught it, the fact that I was dyslexic and it took me up to uh, uh, get me formally diagnosed. And then mm-hmm. there my parents had to pay for a private tutor to work with me.
0: Now this... this school- w- Did they back
1: in the 72? Never.
0: My dad used to cut out because I I suffer from dyslexia too. Mm -hmm. And my dad used to cut out like a piece of cardboard and he would cut a strip. And then I would Mm -hmm. put that over the words. So the sentence I was reading, that was the only thing that would show up. And then it seemed. Your eyes don't wander. Okay. Yeah. Because then the words weren't jumbling around and, or the letters, a little, you know.
1: jumble, but not as bad. Right. Yeah, it, it keeps you, 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 uh...
0: They still jump, but you can ass. read it. Right.
1: The other thing I have is, I will sit there, like, the other day, my, I'm helping my daughter uh, write something out, and so I'm not, I'm looking at what I'm writing, and I'm saying the letters, and as I say them, I'm writing, but I'm not looking at the paper, and I stop and look down, and I said one letter, and then the next letter but I wrote them in reverse order. Now, that's not because you're, you're, when you're dyslexic, it's not that you're stupid. It's because your brain somewhere in the transfer skills went and said, okay, it's this order, and then flips it on you. Mm-hmm. And in the opposite order. there's <laughs> nothing you can do about that. It's just like, oh, that's curious. And then you fix it again. Right. And, so, and it's interesting, it still translates into typing and other issues, so. Um, it's much with computers. It's it's much less of an issue today than mm-hmm. it was ever. When everything's handwriting, I, I avoid handwriting as often as possible because it's just kind of I'm gonna go for a D and, and and go up and all of a sudden you go like this and you're going down.
0: Right, right.
1: What happened there? So it's it's actually a, it's, a, it's out of your control. So you just kind of. Go. But um, going through this in school and getting beat up, I saw this movie on TV that was. Um, and a guy that was uh, learning how to fight, and he was a good guy. And people would beat on him, and he'd defend himself, and he would fight back, and like, he wasn't a bad guy.
0: Right.
1: And I thought to myself, what? that's what I want to be. I, I'm, I'm eight years old. I want to be able to fight back and not be considered a bad guy because I go to church. You turn the other cheek. You don't fight back. You're meek, God shall you know the meek shall inherit the earth. Don't, don't fight back. Don't do this. And in turn. I ran out of cheeks. I really did. Uh, I got tired of turning around and getting beat up and having things thrown out. And being a, a larger kid, because I'm 6'3 now, I was a, a big kid who was a very passive kid. And then they don't uh, they say, hey, look, let's go get the big guy. It's, he's not going to fight back. And I can feel powerful in him. It empowers mm-hmm. him somehow. Um, or it gets their angst out from whatever bullies they're bullying they're getting at home. So, I went into martial arts in 72 and in traditional karate. Okay. Uh, which was Shitaru, it was Hayashi Hashichiru. Uh, and I got to train with uh, Turo Hayashi, the founder, who learned from Mobuni and some others, other people who brought uh, Okinawan karate to Japan.
0: Okay, and nice.
1: Turo Hayashi actually trained with them and learned from them and then in the eighties, I went from seventy two to the eighties, <laughs> internationally. And then um, I went, what they call Ronin, for a while. I didn't, I didn't uh, affiliate with anyone for a number of years. And then I went to the uh, Mabuni school, so Kenzo Mabuni, which was uh, the son of Turo Hayashi's instructor. Which okay. Was, Kenzo Mabuni. Uh, Kenzo had his own school, which was uh, Saito shito I, I trained with those for a, for a while, and then uh, people like John Sells. And I ended up sixth-degree uh, black belt, which is where I ended up at. And then you want to talk about fencing. While I was teaching karate, um, I had to get some PE credits in, and I was teaching. I was a martial arts instructor. I mm-hmm. trained. Uh, a lot of seminars, I went to different schools, I trained with Stephen K. Hayes just for a brief period in Tacoma when he first came back over and was introducing ninjutsu to um, the United States,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which reminds me of a bad dad joke. Uh, well, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: yeah, that's why the hipster burn his lips. He uh, he drank his coffee before it was cool, so I took ninjutsu before it was cool because I went to I was just a martial arts geek. Um, it, was, it was interesting to watch the, the different movements because you can the kinetics are different than when you look at the traditional karate or, or fencing. And you go to um, uh, any of his books back in the day. Those are what you learned. It was on books or videos. And mm-hmm. His books, you got snippets between step A, B, C, and D, but the flow between A, B, C, and D is going to be different if you're taking a Korean based, a Japanese based, or a Chinese based. So when you actually learn from the source and you see them move the flow, different. And you go, ah, I see, that works better. That makes more sense.
0: What has but been you your might... favorite style so far?
1: Uh, I like Shitoru better. I, for me, it doesn't have the, the Shotokan stances that are okay. way, way low. And Funakoshi, when he started Shotokan, he said, "We well, do these really, really ridiculously low stances and these really difficult back stances, which are no good on your hips, because it's going to train your legs to be stronger. And then decades later, his students asked him, so when do we stop doing the really, really low stances that aren't natural to the martial arts and our predecessors? And he says, when you're really, really good and you don't need to train. Them. So he basically just adapted it and it, and it stuck that way. Sedo mm-hmm. Shichiru, instead of the back stances and the really low stances, you're your horse stance isn't nearly as low as these things where your butt's as low as your knees and your your mobility is gone. And, you're, you, have, uh, Kudur, Kutsu, and you have a Hanzenkutsu or half Hafzenkutsu and then you have a Fulzenkutsu. And you have your box dance. And so you, you, you have um, the rising and sinking abilities that, that still stay with the more Okinawan roots of it, mm-hmm. but they'll have some of the Japanese flavor. And the reason I like Chitaru is uh, Mabuni, Back in the twenties and the thirties, had um, Okinki, who used to train. Who was one of his big buddies. He was a tea salesman. Okay, he was a uh, white crane kung fu master. So he would train with Mabuni, and Mabuni would then uh, made several white crane katas, mm-hmm. for the forms, with with him, and they're still in the system. And if you if you're a um, higher end um, guy, and you've learned those White Crane system katas. You can actually go and talk to the White Crane system guys in China
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, after the purge in China when they had the revolution, the Cultural Revolution. They got rid of a lot of the, uh, the monks and the kung fu systems, and a lot of them back in the 1980s, actually even to the 90s, were hauling the people who learned from Go Kenki and knew those forms. To bring them back to China because uh, the Cultural Revolution had
0: decided to. Uh, okay. Shoot. So now, it, is that it's, similar it's, to, like, I grew up studying Shuri Gojiru? Shuri Gojiru. Is, is that yeah. similar to that? Gojiru would be very similar. That's what I stand. thought. Oh,
1: you're yeah. never down, rarely are you down in a really, really um, low stance in, in Gojiru.
0: Right.
1: Yeah, so it, it would be very similar. I can actually pull up some uh, flow charts mm-hmm. of where Goja Root comes from and who their instructors were and how this all ties together. It's, it's pretty interesting history. But uh, everyone's kind of picked up the flavor. The, they were all very similar before they hit mm-hmm. Japan. Japan, the uh, governing body decided that they each had to come up with their own style. Each had to come up with their own name. Um, before that, it was just karate, or actually what it was called China Fisk. And then it comes to Japan and they, oh, wait, we don't want this foreign stuff. We gotta make it fit our culture. And America does this a lot too. Um, so that's why they, they made it look more uh, aesthetical for the Japanese people. And they changed the name from, uh, originally karate was pronounced a different way and it meant China fist.
0: Okay.
1: Kind of it. So they changed it to karate, which means the, the formulation is kind of pronounced the same, but it means empty-handed.
0: Right, empty-handed. I fight empty-handed to protect myself, you know, every... Before yeah, yeah, the, the old katas. dojo-kun, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that,
1: that dojo was uh, uh, very wide and broad. But anyway, that's how I ended up into that. Um,
0: now, do you into, get into weaponry too?
1: Yeah, uh, you have kabuto, um, which is part of the karate symbols for a lot of the schools. So I end up learning how to use um, the bow. Okay. When people in America call it the bow staff because we use the archery bow. And they go, what's, you? oh, you're into archery. You don't know how to use a bow. So they use bow staff, which is really saying, I fight with a staff staff, but you're using two different languages. And I've always found that peculiarity within America to say I use a staff.
0: Now, tell us about fencing.
1: Uh, I needed some PE credit when I was in college and teaching karate full time. And Mm -hmm. I was, you know, fighting nationally, internationally back in the eighties. So I found that a um, fencing master, a French fencing master, uh, Mm Oriol was teaching in Oregon um, at the uh, community college. He had a class. I said, oh, I need a credit here. I'm in my twenties, I'm gonna take some sabre. (laughs) So I went in. Uh, spent time training and he taught me how to do saber Uh, that was interesting because I'd already had decades of other you know Mm
2: -hmm. uh, Japanese sword Mm -hmm.
1: spear um, what about checks oh yeah those are my favorite (laughs) I'm not I I like them but you know tonfa and some other things seem to be um, very well I I find short staff is Mm -hmm. much more universal for functional weapon. So it's long-range, it's mid-range, long it's short-range. Mid short it, and it's a stick, it's a walking stick. Everyone can use it, it's not illegal. Um, that's why I like that
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, one. they have their use and function. Um, they have fixed and flexible weapons, but uh, they're fun, they're good toys. Um, I, I like, like I said, short staff better than long staff. Uh, Psy and comma uh, are much, I don't know their their least favorite. There's some very interesting psychata mm-hmm. uh, more police weapons in Okinawa, and they're fun. But I on a on a regular self-defense base for today's society, you're not going to walk around like Leonardo and Donatello. Oh, <laughs>
0: so, I know, right? They'll be like, you are going to jail," and they'll be like, "Wait, stick. I got my belt yeah. right here." <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you're going to be stopped every block if you're carrying that kind of stuff with you. Right, so you. Right yeah if you've got a walking stick and um that's where I found the saber very interesting because if you take saber um a gentleman's walking stick forget it not you know, go to the concealed swords in the walking stick' get you, chuck down in california um, but they have um you know, a lot of the saber moves gentlemen back in the late eighteen hundreds would use the same saber movements with their their gentleman's cane and their walking stick so It's interesting. There are also variations or single-handed variations of short staff work. Mm -hmm. I find that unique. Um, There's a lot of cross references in there. Um, Saber work is really nice. I only did it for about six months with him and I was more interested in connecting the Saber and the Walking Stick with Walking Stick and Okinawan systems and and Chinese systems. Mm -hmm. And then um, working on some uh, older treaties by um, the Scottish fencers and the old, the old treaties and trying to figure it out. Because so I would go to the Highland Games since I was a kid and I would see people with those basket of Scottish swords and say, well, how do you use those? And they give you the, the answer. The yeah, pointy end goes that way. Um, thought, well, that's-, that's I, I can't wait
0: to go to what the Scottish teenager, Highland like, Games. Like, I'm excited. Yeah.
1: Oh, you should be! Yes. Uh, it, it's it's a lot of fun. Everybody at these places, it's like family waiting to meet you. Uh, you say, and there's a whole other history going into that. Um, but if you belong to a clan or a family, and you and you find them, you go to like what you're going to run as a tent, and then someone says, "Oh, my grandmother or my great great grandmother was a Bailey," and
0: right,
1: you're a cousin. You welcomed, like, long-lost family. Come on in. Have a seat. Um, let's let's have some fun. Let's discuss this. How did you do that? How did you get to where you were? And it opens up a conversation. And in today's society, people are very isolated from each other. People don't interconnect. They aren't kind to each other. The, the web creates, the interweb just, you know, I said it. It's going to get I said interweb. I do that. Too. I learned that just outside my kids. It's the internet, I call them. So people get on that, and they troll each other. People would rather be negative news travels faster than a positive story. Oh, yeah, uh, I know. And I would rather have people come to a family event, a family-oriented event, meet people who are friendly, who really are genuinely interested in opening the story. They can sit. They can talk. If you're a member of Clan Bailey and there's a Bailey tent, or even if you're not a member and you want to show up, say, God, I brought all this stuff. Is, can I put this behind your tent and I'll, I'll put my name on it? Can you keep it safe? And yeah, they will.
0: I'm bringing you, a herd. Uh, no. <laughs>
1: yeah, you put your stuff back there and no one's going to touch it till you get back. Nobody will. It's a safe place. You want to come in, you're tired. Uh, we're walking around these events, it's uh size of a book depends. Some of them are pretty small, small areas. But you go to Seattle, you go to uh, Portland, you go to. Uh, North Carolina uh, and any of these other games—they're huge
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they're massive events. And you get tired. You find your clan tent. You go in and if you have a folding chair, you sit down, have a drink of water, and you sit and relax for a while. You have a place to take a break uh, that's safe and friendly, and people that are your distant cousins. Right. And it's—it's it's really a unique situation. And I have very rarely met anyone grumpy at these places, so it's refreshing. And you can sit there, like I was raised around there. I started out helping people. And it's a very unique network of people you'll end up with. If
2: mm-hmm.
1: you go to them, you get to know them and you get to know the other clans. It doesn't have to be just your your ancestors. You know them, you get right. to the, And you interact with the other people around you. And then you end up with a social network. I know in Oregon we had, if. I, I did the hobbyist blacksmithing and metalwork and leather work. Uh, somebody else was an electrician. Somebody else was a landscaper. Uh, other people were welders. And if one of the people in this community had a problem, they needed something done and they couldn't do it, they just called their their uh, clan rep. Mm-hmm. Like, so call you and you're connected with them. And they say, hey, I know some people. We can come over with the volunteer crew and we'll come up. It's it's something that they used to have, in the 15, 1600s, with your planned family unit, like a tribe, Mm -hmm. and go to that, and you say, hey, I need help here. We're all helping each other. Now you can't be the person that sits there and goes, hey, I want this free, I want this free. Hey, who who, will me? And you just sit there. Everybody has to put in. Right. Otherwise, doesn't work. Everybody has to be willing to at least once or twice, within a year, if it's called, because it's usually not called more than every other year that someone comes up with
0: something. Right, right. Or
1: someone asks advice and they put it into the the plan site and then the people will then say, oh well I know this reference to this reference. And it makes your social network and it's a real social network. It's not an artificial how many people are on my uh on my uh whatever these social networks. I'm not on them very often it's not one of these things where just thousands of people are following you for some reason. It's
0: just real networking, real networking. Right. It's
1: an actual family. I can talk to these people. These people will come and help me out or they will give me advice. They're not going to ask for anything else. And it's, it's a good thing. Um, clan Bailey itself is, uh, we don't care if you're a Bailey, you could be someone who just identifies with what we're doing. Right. We're recreating a, uh, Celtic community or pan Celtic community because Baileys were Vikings, they were Irish, they were Scots, they were Welsh. They were you um, find them yeah. all way over in Russia because
0: we went everywhere, right? I think they found my DNA in Russia too, by Kazakhstan yeah. and then and then yeah. Italy and Turkey and Hungary and
1: right. Uh, the Celts were mercenaries. They hired out. If you if you look at um, Ancient Greece, they hired out Celtic mercenaries, and they, they knew the difference between a Celt, the larger group, and a Celt, the, the individual Celt mm-hmm. people. And they were mercenaries in Greece, way back before they fell to Rome. And they would talk about these long mustachioed people with torques around their neck that would go to the pubs, and they had little tattoos on themselves, the tribal tattoos. And they would sit around and brag and drink about, and sit around and drink and brag about their military powers. I know a lot of Celts today that still do the same thing that are pets. They go to the pub, they grow that big long mustache or the beard and they talk about their good old days. So
0: <laughs> nothing's really Time changed- Time A
1: couple thousand years.
0: Time travel. <laughs> I, I want to go back to um, how you got started with helping children and young adults with autism, where did that inspiration come from?
1: Well, I've been in special ed. I retired as working in special ed for 25 years, and now I'm going back through college again to become an art teacher. Mm -hmm. But having gone through the school system, I got to tell you, there's nothing special about special ed. They, they they're better now they are far better now but but a lot of times it's it's not a fun thing to go through
2: right
1: it's not a fun environment you don't ask and i'm talking about real special ed real autism we're talking about dyslexia it's not fun and i watched these kids um go through school and i would think man um that's not good and i didn't like people bullying people from my background, and I would see these kids not getting treated well. Uh, became a karate instructor to help kids to stop being beat on from bullies because I worked um, in the poorest neighborhood. I didn't work in the rich neighborhood and, and have a McDojo that was making millions of dollars. I had, when I was in my 20s, uh, I was doing fair, I wouldn't even say fair to Medellin. there If you managed a McDonald's, you made more than me if you were a ship supervisor, shift supervisor back in the day, you made more than me. I did it because I loved it and I liked right. what I was doing. Uh, I went into school because one of my students' parents was working in special ed and said, you know, you got a really knack, a real good knack for helping kids. And I, I'd like you to do this, uh, try it out. And here I was like, it was medical, it was dental, things that you didn't have as a martial arts instructor. And it was another year of college I picked up besides my other three years of Arts and graphic design. Um, I took college as a, I just like college. I went to school, professional student, um, and I just it just felt really organic. Um, one of the things I, I thought about during some of the difficult times was you have a kid who's severely disabled or impacted. You're working with him, and one of the things that was my first few weeks of actually in the field,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I had to ask myself. This this, was really difficult. You know, I'm not going to describe it, but it was really difficult. And I had to ask myself, if I was impacted with this disability and I was in this situation that through no fault of my own, I, this is just the way it is. How would I like to be treated? (laughs) And it's with respect and with understanding. And then I've taken that and I've, and I've I've put that through. um, it's, It's just kind of the model of my life. Uh, when the uh, working with chivalric orders as the chief of Bailey before the Grand Duke titles came in, uh, you're just a chief of, of a clan. Mm-hmm. And Some I say that, and you know, some people it's important. It is, but it's it's not.
0: Doesn't pay a lot bills. of responsibility it's, comes <laughs> with your title? It does, so right. yeah.
1: So it was. I was getting put in charge of these chivalric orders, these knighthood orders, and my wife says fine you have the titles you have the these knighthood orders what are you doing with them what right. are you going to do with them and i said well they got to be here to help people really and then how are you going to help people with these titles and how are you going to help people with knighthoods i don't see how that works you got to think of a way that it's going to work that it, that it fits you and how we are, we help people, right. how are you gonna make it happen. And then thats that was the catalyst of it. From there, um, uh, my daughter has um, uh, ADHD and some learning disabilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do I want people to perceive my kids? How do I want people to, would have liked to perceive me? How do I want people to perceive working you know, with the kids that I work with in the population? Um, Autism doesn't go away
0: when you're twenty. No, it doesn't. And 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 being nervous too, but uh, it, the disability doesn't. You know, being a mom of a child on the autism spectrum disorder has so many challenges, but so many rewards. And I am so excited to be helping with this fundraiser. I mean, I was so elated. I was. I think I cried for like an hour. And I was like, "Yay! I get to help kids," <laughs> you know, because yeah. it's it's so deep in my heart, and I want to do so much. And it's like this is a way to be able to reach out to the community and get these kids and young adults the help that they're needing.
1: Yeah, it, it, yeah. there's not enough people joining sheriff orders like this. Most of them go to these orders you pay you have to be invited in you have to pay three four thousand dollars just to get past the gatekeepers then you go to the event then you have to pay a few thousand here a few thousand there pay for your airfare pay for your fancy dinner and everything else and by the time you join the ship orders the majority of them you're into about 10 grand and I was talking to his Beatitude, um, God rest his soul, and our, our mission was, was different. I was thinking, okay, why does it have to break the bank? There's many people out there who live a chivalric life, follow the ideals, and because they're not multimillionaires or even hundred thousandaires, they cannot get the recognition right. for the work they do and the service they do. So I, I said, look, let's let's keep this social bar where you need it. And the social bar, by the social bar, I mean, are you doing charitable work? Are you living a, a, a decent life? Do you have, um, you know, no, like, are you a police fire? Are you working as a teacher? Are you doing something that benefits society? If not, are you doing charity work? Right. Something in society that is a reputable job and, and you don't have a, a criminal record. If you have that and you want to take an oath as a knight and focus on one of our, our charities, I don't see where not having
0: money um, comes into it.
1: Right. should be a bar for you. Right. It wasn't a bar for our ancestors back in the 11-1200s. You know, um, you wanted to do this service, you could afford to do this, you could do this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You were brought in and you could do it. Uh, as it got to be more of a social status instead of someone on a horseback with a stick that would knock other people down and make them dead, now it's, <laughs> can I provide service for a shivric order? Right. Can I help the Shivrick Order with its mission, which is helping people in hospitals or with disabilities. Um, my dog is just once in and I'm not going to let her. In. <laughs> Only because she's going to tear up the house. So, yes, you have to forgive her, Molly, and her little party. Um,
0: I forgive her. I'm sure everybody yeah,
1: does. she just wants to play. And I was like, okay, you were playing in the house and you were quite a distraction. So I put them out with them all. Now they want back in. But if, if people meet these standards, I'm not going to be a bar for it I have stopped people from joining who could afford it if they saved up six months and they could come up with the you know the travel fare which we do it in the United States every couple of, every other few years we don't do it frequently
2: mm-hmm. but
1: hey I could travel from point A to point B in the United States I could show up and get a hotel and I could pay your you know whatever the 800 dollars to pass to the passage fee for the background check and all the regalia and i can and i meet the requirements i filled it out in the past but if they're at an economic level that they can't it's going to hurt them to pay their annual dues of a hundred something up if they're, if they're at that level i won't take them and i won't take them because if you can't afford to take care of yourself and you can't afford to um do that properly you're not going to be able to help other people right i would rather have you take care of yourself first and make yourself in your situation survivable and 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 livable
2: right
1: once you're at that stage then we can look at that but uh, on the other hand i've had people that had millions of dollars and i had one case way early on a fellow wanted it because he liked the shiny badges and the title and there's a lot of that draw with these these organizations. Right. And he was willing to donate hundreds of thousands of dollars to our sugar organization. And nobody makes a penny. Nobody's on a payroll here. Nobody's making any money whatsoever. But his character was so lacking. He was gonna wear him around, use it as a boasting tool and as a manipulation thing. and, and we knew people, and we did character references on him,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it was just a no go for us. There's a lot of people that that in the chivalric orders that are called gong collectors, like the Chinese generals or the North Korean generals. You see them with these badges going down their chest all over, and they're like they're studded with them. There's a lot of people in the chivalric orders that just like to collect them, just to collect them, and you can't avoid that. And some right. people. Social time, I and mean, you can't really know who these people are unless they have an absolute set history and you know it. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: so it, it's it's a thing. Mm-hmm. Sadly, uh, and then you have other people that really do belong to several organizations because they do Care. like to do the charity right. work, and they have the time, and that's okay. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so you have to split that out. Yeah. Um, I don't know, we kind of keep going around things. Do
0: do you have anything that you're working on behind the scenes that you can let us in on? Currently, I was
1: approached... um, Let me move the camera here. I was approached uh, a few days back. And uh, one of these seamstresses, I used to do props and fight choreography. One of the seamstresses I've worked with before had someone... It was in a, um, I'm going to put a video up on it pretty soon. It's pretty horrible. She was in a hit-and-run accident. She was riding her motorcycle, and someone decided to take a turn, leave their lane, go way into her lane, slam her motorcycle and herself up against the divider. This is a side street. Mm-hmm. And then her uh, turn. So they just veered off, smashed her over, and then left. Um, she has a... Uh, nerve damage to her right arm, that her entire right arm is paralyzed. And they've had to do several surgeries to come in and take different muscles. That's so sad. And And, and she's young. And they had to graft them into her shoulder just so she could get this this minimal movement like this. And they said, well, we can do a a bionic arm and we can get this arm to move off this and you can use this motion. Well, it was a hundred thousand dollars. Her insurance would never cover it. So she's left with this arm and a permanent sling. And then from there, she's like, well, I've got this movement. I wanna use this for therapy. And the physical therapist says, well, we'll cover the piece that goes on your arm here, right? Mm -hmm. And you can, we can cover that piece, but the shoulder strap really is only covered once a year. And we can't do any adaptations for a band that's gonna help you play the guitar because you can use that one little muscle and you can get this to go up and down. We're not going to cover that because that's not your written physical therapy plan. Um, because I used to make props and I used to do, and I do leather work and stuff mm-hmm. for fun. Um, she called me and I said, "Okay, let me see what she does. Let me let me see this." And it was a shoulder piece which I could easily make. Uh, and so I, I talked to uh, the the head of the ship recorders and I said, look, I'll donate my time. It's probably about $500 to make each one of these things if you counted my time included. Mm-hmm. And let's go with three arm braces for her, shoulder straps, right, and some adaptations for the arm brace to fit her personality because she's a guitarist, she's a singer, and she's into the rock and roll scene. And I said, great. I'm going to make three different braces for her the order and uh, we're gonna do a fundraiser for this to cover the cost of materials. And I bought the materials from the order They gave us an okay, let's do this. And I think the materials really only come up to less than $400. And in the end, she's gonna have three arm braces.
0: Nice. One of them, since
1: I'm an artist, I'm gonna make it look steampunk because she's a guitarist. It will have all the function of the regular one. It's gonna be steampunk. She likes going Renfairs, so I'm going to make one that looks like gladiator armor, but it's going to be her sling and her harness. Um, and another one I'm doing in heat molded plastic.
0: Okay. And, and see, that's that the type steel. of brace I have on my leg. Is the heat molded right. where they take a, Girl, a cast and then they they take the plastic and heat mold it on there. So yeah, it keeps my my so, foot from. Mm-hmm. Bending because of the lack of Achilles there, but I want to get yeah. I want to get like a steel reinforced one with with like some engravings and carve it and maybe put like some some rhinestones in it. I thought that would. Oh, the be
1: rhinestones, me. yeah,
0: yeah. So yeah,
1: those are fun. So I'm going to do one that looks like um, fantasy armor, and it's going to be done in uh, thermoplastics. It's going to be light. It's going to be foam padded. It's going to have all the scraps that she needs and uh, it's gonna be a little bit glam and i'm gonna it's gonna be silver chromish and it's gonna have little gems stuck in it and i said this is for formal occasions. so when you go out in the evening as your right. rock and roll thing you can wear this to formal occasions and that way your brace isn't going to be just your brace
0: it's going to be a part You're, of you and you make it
1: right, it, right. it's going to be art it's going to be art what what is your brace going to be it's not just oh look at that person with the brace this could be
0: Look that's at that person cool. with that
1: right. art on them. Look at that kind are gonna cool. want
0: one, right? This it's it's not it
1: gonna, yeah. it's not gonna stigmatize you as like, look at that brace. It's like hey, that lady's got armor up on. Well, oh, look at that steampunk setup that lady has. That's really cool. So it's gonna camouflage it as art, and it's gonna be functional. And I'm all about functional art. Heck yeah. So, and nobody does this. I can't really say I'm doing a. Uh, I can't do the arm brace part because that's the medical part, but I have a, a mold I took mm-hmm. of her medical brace, and I can make leather sleeves to go. Over. I can make
0: thermoplasts cool.
1: for that. So we can decorate that piece out, and I've already made the adaptations, so mm-hmm. she can hang a, um, a medical band on it uh, that's very lightweight, and she can actually strum her guitars in it. So I'm adapting this, uh, all three of them, so she can do what she needs to do, that the medical field is just not going to cover because
0: now is that the leather piece that you're working on now
1: uh no the one i'm working on now is a um nautical bag
0: okay
2: and
1: that's for uh, a friend of ours her um she's going through her second cancer surgery so uh her husband was in the uh, naval command and he's she likes nautical purses which is some of the stuff i do as a hobby i really don't really sell my work i just like to make it to see if i can make things so it's, it's kind of a curious bit um i do, I do sell too. things when people request things i make them that's fine but uh, a lot of times like this it's you, you make it uh she requested it because i made one for my wife and she liked it and she wanted it more navy light mm-hmm. uh, finishing that one up today so
0: okay nice if I mean, you... she's
1: still in the hospital right now so by Saturday when she's out of the hospital um my wife's gonna take it to her
0: well I'm gonna, I'll send prayers too because I know that's uh something hard to go through and through that with my mom so
1: yeah it's 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 not fun
0: um no it's not on the upside,
1: what are the one of the girls that my you uh, know the daughters of one of People my wife worked with. She works in the medical field. She was a speech pathologist. So we're always helping people. And one of the the ladies at work, her daughter's an honor roll student and Mm -hmm. she's really nice and she helps out uh, at at middle school. She helps out with a mom and she's into whales. And that's that one bag I did, a shoulder bag.
0: Okay. Okay. With with the,
1: the whale that with little girl in the boat that was. Heading the whale.
0: And I'll put a picture back. of it, too, so our audience can see it. So if you go to our platform on a anewpodcast.com, um, I've provided a click. Click his picture, and it will take you straight to his bio page where all the links are there. And you can see the picture of some of his leather work there, too, because it's really good. Yeah.
1: I, I just have fun with it. I kind of create mm-hmm. the things. Um, started off prop working for Warner Brothers a while ago. I did, we did one film that lasts two years ago. which really got me into it. So it was was fun. fun. Um, But yeah, we did that one because she was into whales and uh, she liked the sea. And when she got that, she was so happy and ecstatic. And I love that. I like making people happy. Um, Right. The world's got enough negativity in it. And that's why we... It
0: does. Yeah, that's what
1: we plan. Bring people back together. And I wanted to ask
0: you too, if there is one thing that you could say to the world what would
1: it be be kind to each other enjoy your family because you know, you're not going to wish at the end of the day you're not going to wish for more money more more power more fame you're going to wish you had more time with the people that matter. you're not going to wish for all the other stuff because that's fleeting. It, it doesn't right. really matter but Absolutely. what you do for other people that's what people are going to remember you. I'm not going to remember for you, oh look, Bob had that fancy car. Oh, what happened Bob? Bob's dead. The car sold it. He would. Bob passed away. What was Bob like? Oh, Bob did, you know, charity. He helped people. People are going to remember that and pass that kindness down for generations. Yep. And that's the kind of world we live into. Not who could say something mean about somebody on the internet and feel better about themselves by grinding somebody else temporarily under their heels. Blowing out somebody else's candle doesn't make yours brighter.
0: No, it does not. That's, no. that's a fact.
1: The world with the politics, and you know, you can say I'm kind of not really Republican, but the world of politics and the social society right now is it such a divide. Uh, I've seen this coming for decades, and I've always said people just need to be kinder to each other. Yeah. we have more in common than we do not in common. We all have moms. We all have dads. We all grow up in this, in whatever country we're in. There's more similarities than we have differences. But we, we stand on these little mole hills of differences and are willing to die on them nowadays. That it's, it's so counterproductive for the society to go where it needs to go, to be self, healthier, safer, more productive, um, kinder. We, you know, we're running off a cliff the way we're going right now not something I like. So right. just get angry on something on the web. Just sit back and say, in five years, this is this really gonna matter? You know, if it's something that's, that's atrocious, yeah, say something, but if it's just, somebody's just being a, a knucklehead, let it go. It don't, don't, don't fester on it. Let it run your day. Cause they're not being stable themselves. <laughs> right. <laughs> or God's sakes. Let's not do that.
0: I know, right? Now yeah. where can our audience follow you to keep up with what you've got going on?
1: I don't I I just have my, my regular Facebook account. Um I check in on it like a couple times a day, but I really don't post that much about exactly what I'm doing. If you belong to the clan, we we have um it's I think that was 40 year. we have our newsletter that comes out quarterly. Um, if you belong to the Shivrick Order and you're doing their charity work, that's another um, letter that comes out quarterly.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I post little things, I mean, like once in a while on, on my social media. And I'm trying <laughs> to do things for the Order and the Clan. is mm-hmm. uh, it? Was Instagram and uh, Twitter. It's, just, it's two things I don't really be able to do because, because I don't have time. I'd rather be.
0: Well, I've been uh, <laughs> day long. What name are you under on Facebook? So, if somebody wants to follow, they can.
1: I, I do believe I'm under HRH H. Douglas Bailey, and you'll see the uh, the coat of arms for the Grand Ducal House up there. I usually don't put my face on it. But it's just the big blazon of a coat of arms. On um, it, it's registered yeah. in the uh, African heraldry, which is really interesting. All my coats of arms are either in South Africa or uh, the African Heraldic Association of Uganda under His Majesty King Solomon of on uh, your tara Kingdom, who I have a treaty with. Mm-hmm. So uh, I find that there's other you know, dealing with uh, elitism. And, uh, yeah, the way it's abused. Not yes, you you have prestige and title. Yes, you can have your ancient family history and yes you can have all this other stuff but don't use that as, as an excuse to grind other people down and that
0: is something that goes on with as well absolutely and, and for our audience if it's you want to know more about the dynastic order of the green cross you can go to dotgc.org and there's yes. more information there
1: yeah i'll so. be posting the video up about what well, the fundraiser for this lady to, to just uh, cover the expenses of, of the parts.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: if we get more than that, then that would allow me if somebody else, once this gets done and she posts what we do for her um, on her uh, site where she has, where they talk about people with similar disabilities, right. if there's somebody else who wants that done, then the order would have enough money to yet do it again. So that's a good thing. So, right life. now, you have what? You have a lot of viewers out there. You have what? 1,500? Uh, 1, 1, well, no, we,
0: we're pushing out 45,000 emails a week. And wow. we're in over 60 countries and 16 streaming platforms.
1: So, a dollar. Right. <laughs> at, at that volume, um, a dollar coming in would would cover arm braces for people with issues.
0: You're right. You're absolutely right. And that's why I think that fundraising and, and charity work is very important because when it comes down to it, if everybody would give a dollar then
1: It doesn't seem like much, but community as as a community, it adds up greatly. Yes it does. My my personal pet project I wanna have done in the next three years is an equestrian center and a center for people to come in and like a priory for the nighthood for people to come in and they can do meetings and they can um, do whatever community event they wanna do
0: there. But I wanna have a writing
1: center where where people with autism can come and not have to pay. I wanna have a writing center that can get the equine therapy and it's at no service. And if you're um, doing the, post-traumatic stress disorder, yes. it, it helps for vets, they could come out there and run. But to do that, we're gonna need, uh, right now, the place I'm looking at now, a couple places I'm looking at, you're looking at $800,000 for the property. Yeah, it's forget not about, cheap. It's not, no, no so none of these projects like this are cheap. You're looking at the property is so much money, then getting people and uh, we have someone who uh, just pass the grant writing for us. We can, once we have the property, we can do the grant writing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you have to be able to cover a therapist and their hours because yes, there are charity works that people can donate the charity time out there, but there aren't many people who want to take their uh, PhD degree and work for free and take uh, eight hours a day working for free Right. Because you have, like I said, you have to be able to take care of your family as well as. uh,
0: Absolutely.
1: So if the charity has enough money to subcontract out um, a a writing therapist a few days a week or seven days a week, then we would have it there. Um, But that all comes with the, the volunteers from the order, that comes with people who want to. Support, support the Grand Ducal House at the uh, on our GoDaddy, Godaddy site. If you want to become a, a member or associate, or that—that's not a nonprofit. That's a—it's it's an LLC that does right. charitable work, but it's structured differently because they're separate. They're linked because they're me. But that fund can go in there as well. What I ended up doing is, I may end up selling my house and just moving to where I can do it because it's something that I feel really strongly needs to be done. Right. And if I have to kick my house into it, I will. Um, if I can't, then it's just gonna remain a prayer until people can get behind it and say, you know, I think it's right, if we can do this here,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it can grow. And I'm also trying to work with um the bon euro Qatar Kingdom and help them fund a school. And I've been talking with um, his Majesty of uh, Guyana, and he needs. If people go to our, char- our site and donate money and say, "Hey, I want this to go to the school in Guyana,"
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he can come up with five hundred dollars to two thousand to three thousand dollars, that will actually finish a two-room schoolhouse for him.
0: Wow, yeah. that's it's amazing. a big deal. It, it it is. They've they've been exploited um,
1: by European conquest. They've they've had. Um, resources taken from them, and I don't want to get too political with right. the things that happened in the 1800s because you can't go back and fix it. But where they're at now, he's the legitimate king, and all he's doing is tying other people with titles and ship recorders together and saying, "Can you help us? I have this project. I'm posting every day when someone says 100, 200 dollars. I'm posting exactly where it's going." on this building project. it's just a two-room school. And he's just trying to better the the living conditions. And again, he's not making money. There there was a uh, school in the Banjiru Katara kingdom that was uh, funded by a single teacher in England. And she took her charity work and she raised money. And she had that going. And then when she passed away, there was no one to do that. And so uh, His Highness, His Majesty, actually, his majesty is actually going to send someone and is in the process of sending someone over to that school to see what their funding situation is seeing how the building's being used and if we can come up with funds um, how how it can be implemented so he's right. got to talk to local authorities the local tribal chiefs he's got to talk to the state authorities so he's in it is an independent monarch but he still has to work within the social structure of,
0: of the absolutely city.
1: But if they have a need, and we can throw a couple thousand dollars to fund a teacher um, for a year, two thousand dollars, you can cover in Uganda, you can cover a teacher's salary. Uh, they're they're poor. Um, Yana, they, they're they're worse off, and you know people need help. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to limit how much how thin I can be spread here,
2: because
1: mm-hmm. um, I really do want to have a writing center if I can get the writing center going and we can duplicate it and show that it works twice over here, and then we can put an education piece to it. Then if we have enough people, people on our nonprofit and our sugar recorder. We do have people that can get us into the UN and we can become an NGO.
2: Mm-hmm. If
1: we, i an NGO, then we're after we're looking at, um, hundreds of millions of dollars of charity money that we can then access. And then we can say, we have a proven record. We can do this here. Now let's replicate this in other countries. Can we have a writing center with the school? How can this happen? Okay, without the writing center, because courses are a bit expensive in this whatever country. But how can we get that and get a school going that has the same basis for disability services? If we have the model, we can get the funds and then we can replicate it in other countries. Right. But we have to be able to do that here first. So that's that's kind of what I'm looking at. And if we can get it done in Uganda, we can get it done in Guyana. we can show where every penny is going to, this being spent wisely. Right. And nobody like me or anybody else has taken a paycheck off this, and it's all going to direct access. Then those funds can come in. But we have to be able to do these things in the United States as well first.
0: Absolutely.
1: So that, that's what I'm looking at. Um, if people are interested in what we're doing, by all means, check us out. If if joining the, uh, a Pan Celtic group, which is very Native American, I hate to say it, because you have a chief, you have, you know, the well, and there's
0: similarities at... too to the Native Absolutely. culture.
1: They the old the old clans had had their shamans, they had their storytellers, they they had people that. It didn't matter what sex you were. They weren't. They weren't saying it's a male-dominated only. And so there's so many similarities. Right. Between. That's that's why it works well. And that's why when the Scots came to the Americas, they went further and further west, and they found uh, like kin with the Native Americans. They said, yeah. "Hey, I get this. You get this. This is this is how it should be." And that's why you find find a lot of Native Americans with uh, Scott Irish surnames because the the scots and the irish and the Celts were trying to get so far away from everything else that they ran out of room before they got to china which is the pacific one <laughs> we just couldn't go any further so yes this is where we were um but really if, if you're looking at something like this you're looking at a, uh, a clan family association something to belong to by all means join our site uh it's uh the, 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 the the and Bailey site. If you want to, if you're interested in just the showbreak stuff, look us up, email us, ask us questions. I'm, I will answer emails. Grace um, his, his the Duke of Lanark will answer emails. Um, we have international artists that are, um, Brian Beatty, who's one of our members, is an international egg artist, and he goes to Bulgaria a couple times a year doing art shows with egg carving.
2: Mm-hmm. and
1: we have, he's been named humanitarian of the year three times in a row out of Utah. We have several female female jousters and one of them is the PhD. Um, and they're willing to get together to do a Ren Fair with us or do a jousting oh, event. That
0: would be so fun.
1: The problem with the jousting event is everyone wants the money up front and we're a very small charitable order. So if people can say, hey, we can, we can get the troop there and we'll give you a piece of the gate. You guys bring your jousters in right. and do the event. And this money will go to the charity. And I'm all about that. And I, I don't see why it couldn't happen. We're, we're still kind of working those little eggs out. And uh, we have the three very, very renowned jousters in our, our group. And I think another one from Texas is willing to join. And, uh, we will end up with, with a, a good number of them, but we only need one or two that we have, and then they can bring other jousters in. I'm willing to work with other jousting organizations as long as the charity funds go to the cause that we're trying to do. I don't want to get too spread thin with big, right. we can get people here, but you end up with co-working with 15, 20 charities, and say you make, I don't know, let's just round it up, 10,000 at the gate. Alright, so you have 10,000 to get. You have your expenses. You end up with 3,000 for your charity event. Yay. I'm not going to turn that down. But then you have to, with the other charities you're working with, you have to split the, the uh, $3,000 10 different ways. Right. Well, now you're not really, you put a lot of work in. Um, the other charities, one quote, unquote signed on. But really, you're not getting enough to really make an impact and a dent in any one of those 10 charities. It's a supplement, but mm-hmm. it's not something that's gonna make an impact. And that's where the impact comes in when you have a bunch of people coming in for one thing. So if you can do it for the one event and the one charity, it doesn't matter. It's a bigger impact and you can you can impact someone's life in a positive way <sighs> in a bigger way.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: that's what we're trying to do.
0: Well, I love to- it. I love it. I I do. And um it's it's very honorable and 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 shows that you know you have the charity in your heart and the integrity that goes with it uh, to be able to help these children and these young adults and and not just the children young adults with autism but like you said with special needs you know yeah. and, and, and 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 it's not always about money it's not it's not always about money it's about yeah helping people and, and when you help people people help people so it it, it kind of goes into like a circle you know yeah yeah um, and, and and it's a
1: circle of good because you're, you're doing something to help somebody else i always like that thing where you 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 say hey you know i'm gonna do something for you and let me get this for you and they say well what i, I can't pay you back i said well the next time you need some somebody to ask and needs help just help them out right and paying me back. It's like you know, paying it forward. That type of stuff I'm all about. You can pay something forward and and that's a good thing. So charity work, unfortunately, to do some of the stuff we need, you do need to have the, the, the funds. And it's just it's just the nature of the way the world works. Yeah. But you can do it if if more people join type of things, these type of things, more people Get involved in what you're doing or whatever they like doing, right? because it doesn't have to be about if you find something that you like to do, go help your local area. Don't, you don't have to be, you know, with the brand do this and whatever. It doesn't have to be the night order. or But if this speaks to you and this is something you want to help out with, please, we have Donate Now buttons on there. Mm-hmm. If you want to write it, contact us and you want to do a donation and you want to say where it's going to, is it going to, is it going to Uganda? Is it going to go to charity here in the US? Is it for True Cross getting um, whatever we're doing with, with pets and disabled people? Is it going to the Green Cross for autism? Just write a note in there. And I'll guarantee you, someone's gonna get back to you. Yep. We don't, we don't uh, ignore uh, people who wanna help.
0: Absolutely.
1: Uh, we'll, we'll help you out or if you're helping us out, we're definitely gonna be getting back to you. and and we'll work together that's that's way it should be
0: yes it should it should it should and i want to thank you so much for being a guest today on a new podcast it's been great having you on and um for our audience if you like and enjoy this episode please like comment and share so other people can get the message and we can get the message of helping these kids out there. So be sure to share it. And if you feel fit to buy me a cup of coffee once a month for bringing you these episodes, you can do so on our Anchor.fm platform under a new podcast. And a new podcast is also available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcast. Google Podcasting streaming services where available. Until next time, uh, also, Celebre.media. Celebre Media LLC is a syndicated TV network, so be sure to check that out too. And until next time, keep it real. This is Don Piercy and His Royal Highness Douglas Buchanan Bailey, the Grand Duke of St. Syracuse and the Tetrarch of Tigiano, signing off.